<laughs> but you know what? If if we don't give him something to fight against, we're not doing a whole lot. Amen. And, and someone said, "What's in the water?" All the, everything going on with the kids. I, I said, "I said it's not the water." Was it a full moon? No, it's not the full moon. What is it? It's in my vast wisdom. I said, well, it's the devil. He's fighting against Faith Home Assembly. And uh, we know that's that's what was happening today. But um, still what happened anyway, three kids got saved today. And we had uh, six kids follow the Lord in baptism today. Uh, so that, that was a good time. I was going to bring all of them into baptistry with me at one time, but I thought that might be a little crowded, so we didn't do that. Uh, but really, this is not the end of it. Next week is our coin offering, and uh, we are excited. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, we got the church involved now. Let's go. <laughs> Well, you never know what you might get in church, amen? <laughs> oh, the buses. I do believe the buses have won the last nine years in a row. So, uh, but it'll be a good time next week. We'll bring all those coins out here, and, and you think it's, that's, that's just, a, a, just a small fraction of what's going to be happening out here. Fifteen minutes of mayhem, and uh, we'll see a lot of money raised. And a lot of people will be in heaven because we're getting excited about God. Amen. So we're looking forward to that. Be praying about that. And um, let's see great and mighty things done. And um, yeah, amen. Good to see you tonight. Before tonight, how many dollars did you have in your, your jacket, um, Brother Mike? Eight dollars. Okay. I, I mean, this guy is, as you can see, he's very upset and distraught about it. So if you could... Um, help a brother out, weigh down his um, jacket next week. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. Um, there are some um, children that were helping him out there um, this evening, so that was a blessing. Hymn number 483, hymn number 483, please stand and join me in singing, There is a River. There came a sound from heaven as a
support me and part of the clan, part of the family here tonight. Where's the old man? <laughs> Somebody got it safe in his crib, huh? Okay, well, good to see you again. And you, have you got some additions or? We know who's got the biggest mouths now, don't we? <laughs> this morning, after, after the choir sang the Midnight Pride, uh, so some folks said to me, Sir Preacher, you're not, you wouldn't make a good Pentecostal because your raising the hand was just half hearted right there. because Brother Tony's usually up here and he wasn't here because he raised it all the way, you know. But um, <laughs> well, you got you to gotta remember Brother Tony was raised in the Church of God, so that's why he he's so um, energetic about things. Um, he, uh, Brother Tony said that the bus had won the last nine years. Is that what he said? Last nine years. Uh, I want to remind you that Brother Tony is losing his memory. He's, he's very forgetful. I think it was the other way around. I think the church won the last nine years, wasn't it? But you know, it's, um, it's uh, I'm in a straight betwixt two here because I don't really care who because it all goes to the same place, same pot. And as a pastor, I'm the pastor of the bus ministry and also the pastor of the church. People, so <laughs> I don't lose either way. <laughs> Some of you are screaming for the bus and you don't even ride the bus. You know. <laughs> All right, let's um, let's bow our heads for prayer. Pray for uh, Donnie Tyler that wakes his dad. He's is in uh, not doing well and. And um, Donnie and his, his wife, Linda, Linda was Brother Carter's secretary over there for 40 years, I guess. And um, <clears throat> they've actually had moved to Tennessee, and, uh, but they're up there by themselves. So pray for them, pray for Linda as well. And also I'd like for you, we, I mentioned in Sunday school this morning, we need to pray for the people of Ukraine. Um, it, it's unthinkable that the rest of the world would sit by and let a tyrant like Putin invade a country for no reason. I mean, there's no legitimate reason anyway, and uh, because they haven't they haven't attacked Ukraine, either haven't attacked them, they attacked Russia, but uh, just going in there and and uh, nobody, none of the other nations are really doing anything about it. It's kind of kind of like um, what Lee and the Ezekiel 38, when the invasion takes place in Israel by the uh, country of Russia and then also the Middle East countries that, that ally with them. And, um, and the Bible says in Ezekiel 38 that <coughs> it's the other nations that said, you know, what, what is this, you know, we're doing. Um, and it seems to me like that I heard somebody say recently that knowing all this was going to happen, they said, well, we need to 
know it's a command. It's a command. It's an order. <clears throat> I think this was a foretaste of uh, what's going to be taking place <clears throat> in the near, very near future. <clears throat> so if you're not right with God, you better get right in a hurry because I don't think this thing's going to make it long. All right, let's bow our heads for prayer and ask the Lord's blessings on the offering and on the prayer request. Brother Scott, would you please pray? How much sand is on the shores He sees every sparrow that falls He made the mountains and the seas He's in control of everything Of all creatures great and small all the answers to the questions of life, but I know in whom I have believed. Every step that I take, every 
lesson of our deacon tonight, and a couple of them that will be here are he that out sick. He doesn't have COVID. He's been tested, and he doesn't have COVID, but he's very, very sick, so he can't be here. Gina is here. She's going to be taking his place tonight, and uh, Casey also couldn't get here. She had, she does have COVID again. Ron and Lou, they had already scheduled a vacation before we made the announcement about when we were having this. We normally have it the first Sunday in January, but but four of our deacons were sick during that time, and, and uh, we still haven't got all of them well. But we're going to go ahead with it. Want all the deacons and the uh, and your wives to come and and have a seat on the front row. Uh, tonight, while it's directed toward our deacons and wives, uh, it's not just for the wives, everybody that's here. Every Christian should actually fulfill the requirement that the Bible gives for deacons. The Bible says that in Acts chapter 6 that they would choose men who were honest men, who were report and full of the Holy Ghost and those are things they already possess when they when they uh, chose them to to be a deacon now they were not called deacons there you'll not find the word deacon in Acts chapter 6 but this is the this is the beginning of what became the office of deacon the word uh, the word deacon comes from a a root word that, that actually means servant. Deacon is a servant. I know some people argue that, well, you know, uh, the Bible refers in the original language, the Bible refers to women as deacons. No, it doesn't. It refers to them as servants. The only time that you'll find the word that is actually referring to the office of deacon is in uh, first first Timothy. Now the word deacon is in Philippians in the salutation to the Philippian church when uh, when Paul said uh, say hello to the deacons there. But the the only place that that you find it where the context is speaking of the office is in first Corinthians and and there it says that the deacons are to be husbands of one wife. It's not hard for a woman chosen here in Acts chapter 6, they were all, all men at 
their name. And um, so, so in, in the, I don't want the rest of you to go to sleep because this, this is for all of us. And um, I think it's something that we, we all ought to strive to, uh, to be like these men here that were chosen for, uh, for, for the office or for, uh, to be the first deacons. Um, it said, says here, and let's look at a little bit of it here in Acts chapter 6. And in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look you out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. What business? The business of serving tables. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and so it mentions there then gives the names of these men that were <coughs> were chosen. And I want you to notice here that it says seven men of honest report. You know, I like to see men coming to church and bringing their families with them. I believe if there's anything the devil hates, he hates to see a man who will commit his life to Christ and then lead his family to be followers of the Lord Jesus. I believe the devil hated Joshua. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm just saying the devil hates to see men take their rightful role in the home and their rightful role in the church and their rightful role in society. I like to see men come to church. I like to see men stand up for Jesus Christ. I like to see men who read and study the Bible. I like to hear men sing. I like to see men witness. I like to see men stand tall for God. And I, I, want, I want our deacons to become not only servants of the church, but I want them to become examples to others. In fact, there are five things that I want to challenge you men to be. And uh, the first is an exemplary man. An exemplary man. And we see here in the in the context of the verse that we just read uh, deacons are to be good examples in fact in chapter 6 here when the first deacons when these first men were selected the, the apostles told the disciples look out look out from among you seven men of honest report he's already this is what they were already doing honest report full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom and so they looked for men who had good character they look for exemplary men. And you you men, you need to be examples to the rest of the church. Examples in terms of faithfulness. Examples in terms of attendance. Examples in terms of stewardship. Examples in terms of prayer. Examples in terms of Bible study. Examples in terms of witnessing. Examples in terms of service. Several years ago, our son Darren asked me to uh, come to North Carolina where 
where uh, he lives and, and where he has has the uh, Chick-fil-A facility. He asked him to come. Uh, they had built a new a new facility for him. He asked him to come to dedicate that building and that facility to the Lord. And the uh, I, I'm sure that you've you've all heard by this time anyway that the the Chick-fil-A organization is a Christian organization. It was founded by a dedicated Christian man and his family. And um, their corporate purpose statement is this, to glorify God by being faithful stewards of all that's entrusted to us and being a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. I remember there at that service, and by the way, it was like a church service. We sang, we sang uh, gospel songs like we do in church, and, and um, Dan Pruitt, who was one of the sons, and I, I, I think for a while was president of the organization I think he stepped away now somebody else is in that but he's the uh, he's he's I think he's the oldest son of uh, of the founder of the Chick-fil-A organization but I remember there at that service that he he said he said that in speaking to Darren there he said my my dad has established this corporation upon Christian principles and you, you, Darren, will become a representative of Chick-fil-A and Mr. Catfish. Remember, his reputation is in your hands. You know, in a sense, man, the reputation of Jesus Christ is in your hands. And others will judge him, the Lord, and will judge Central Baptist Church by virtue of your stewardship as the office of deacon. So I want to challenge you to be a good example then second, I want to challenge you to be an encouraging man. You know, these uh, first, first men were selected because the Grecian widows were being neglected. They were discouraged. They were uh, complaining because they were not getting the attention that, that uh, others were getting. They were neglected in the distribution of food. And, uh, and their, their spirits were losing enthusiasm. And, the, and these men were selected to minister to them, encourage them, and to see that the murmuring ceased. And instead of murmuring, there was provision. And so, so this situation, this problem was solved because of the choosing of these men and then their becoming servants uh, to the needs there of the people. Let me challenge you deacons to be encouraging. I've heard... Um, uh, a lot of preachers, you know, talk about that they had a deacon or had deacons that that all instead of being problem solvers, they were the problem, and they were always, um, you know, always had uh, something they were complaining about and all that. Uh, deacons are not not to be like that. Deacons, we encourage, we be encouraging, encourage one another. We uh, we were before COVID. Uh, we were we were meeting monthly. Deacons were meeting monthly, and uh, we we would go over the thing, the financial reports, and and uh, look at those things, and and just have just have a time of fellowship, um, com, uh, camaraderie. You know, I like that word camaraderie. It's kind of a hard word to say, but uh, <clears throat> I, I like to be you know uh, among the men of the church, among in our family here, our church family. Camaraderie, one of the one of the most important things that happens in a church body 
is fellowship. Fellowship. And, um, you know, loving one another and, and uh, caring about the needs of one another and, uh, and working to take care of the needs of one another. That's, that's one of the most important things about our deacons meeting. It's a time of bonding. Same with our teachers' meeting. It's a time of bonding, time of, of if we didn't do anything else except just be together, it's worth it to have those meetings, to have those teachers' meetings. One of the most important that take, things that take place in a church family is when you have fellowship. We're, we'll be having fellowship tonight. And, and that's, that's good. That's a vital part of, of a church, that, that there be that, that bonding, that camaraderie so you ought to encourage one another you ought to encourage the staff and I don't mean a stick I'm talking about the staff I'm talking about the uh, uh, the, the people that make up the staff of the church I don't know how that word ever became began to be used for uh, people that were working for the church but uh, it's encouraged we ought to be you ought to be courage of our members. We're, we're not in competition. We're not in competition. We're working towards the same objective, the same goal. I like the, the little thing. The, I guess Brother Tony came up with this. Team Central. Team Central. That's, that's what we are. We're, we're all working for the same goal, the same objective. Be an encourager. Hebrew chapter 10 where the Bible says let us consider now if you want to consider something that means you got to take the time to think about it and to you know do some investigation find out uh, what it is that you know that, that you're speaking about let us consider one another to provoke that's another good word provoke unto love and to good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. There's there's three good words there. Consider, provoke, exhort. Exhort means to build up, to lift up. Exhort. Sometimes you use the word encourage in the place of exhort. It's, uh, it's the same root word from which we get our word comfort or encouragement. In fact, that word, the Greek word for that, the word paraclete, that's the same word that's used for the Holy Spirit. We know that the Holy Spirit is the one that God sends alongside of us to comfort and to encourage us. And that's what that's what you deacons need to do. Be encouragers, exhorters, comforters. But I want to challenge you men to not only be exemplary men and encouraging men, but I want to I want to challenge you to be an engaged man. You need to be engaged in ministry. You need to be involved in ministry. That's why these men were selected in the first place, to be ministers, to be servants. You know what was happening in the church in Jerusalem? It was growing like wildfire. And if a church is a real New Testament Baptist church, it gets on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to grow. That's just going to be one of the effects of that. It's going to grow. In fact, if you look in Acts chapter 6 where it tells about the selection of these first men, the very first verse of that chapter uh, says, and in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, 
Boy, that's a great blessing, isn't it? Isn't it a wonderful blessing when the church is growing? Don't you like to be around something that's moving forward, something that's growing? Things are happening. We're talking in teachers' meeting tonight, some of the things uh, in Sunday school, in some of the Sunday class this morning, and, and, and on the bus, bus routes, on some of those uh, routes. And, and, and that's, that's because you're, you're growing. You're getting new people. Getting new, see, we, got these, we get these kids in. And, and most of them are a wild bunch. I mean, we gotta, we got to tame them down. It sometimes takes a little while. you gotta, you got to knock the bumps off of them. And some of them you got to eliminate, like Emma. Uh, so <laughs> so the, uh, it takes a while. You know, you can tell when you got in the, the teen. Usually most of them sit over here, the teenagers in church. And you can tell when there's a lot of business because they don't know how to behave. But it takes a while. It takes a few Sundays before they kind of get uh, realize, hey, we're not going to be able to talk and run around and do our own thing in here because somebody's going to call us down. So, um, so after a while, you know, they begin to realize that they have to behave themselves. But, but it, you know, you need that new. You need the new blood. You need the new people coming in all the time. New kids, new teenagers, new, new adults. That growth, that's, um, that's very important. It's a great blessing when things begin to multiply. But I'll tell you something, when things multiply, when you get more and more people, you got more and more problems. I've, I've mentioned before about this. I saw a little cartoon thing, you know, uh, the Peanuts cartoon, cartoon Charlie Brown. And Charlie Brown's standing there, and he's looking up at the sky, and he says, you know, I love this sky. God has built such a beautiful, beautiful sky. And then it shows him looking out over, you know, over flowers and things. Boy, oh, I love flowers. I love trees. I love the things, you know, that God has given us here on this earth. And, um, you know, a third, third captain looking at some animals, horses and cows and things, said, you know, I love animals. God has been such you know, been such a uh, a blessing to give us animals, you know, and all. And then it shows the fourth one. He's standing there, and he's you know looking real droopy. And he, he said, "It's people I can't stand." <laughs> Brother John McMillan used to say, "You know, things would be all right in church if it wasn't for people. But if you didn't have people, you wouldn't have church, would you? You wouldn't have anything because we are the church people." But with more people, more problems, those things are, are, are going to happen. But along with the blessings, along with the, along with the people, there are also special needs that are attached. When churches begin to grow and multiply, large ingatherings of people, it brings special problems and special needs. Young converts bring special circumstances and, and situations. When there are, are you know, large numbers of people are gathered creates creates problems. When you're when you're a part of a large group of people, that means that you got to sacrifice personal desires for the larger good. So you go, you deacons are going to be given opportunities to engage in ministry, get involved. You've been selected to be servants, not celebrities. The truth of the matter is that we've all been called to be bond slaves. Lord Jesus Christ. But in 
God only wants you to be exemplary men, encouraging men, and engaging men. He wants you to be enthusiastic. That's another hard word to say. Enthusiastic men. I hope you get fired up a bit about being able to serve the Lord. It's a privilege to serve the Lord. What an opportunity God has given you. And to, and to, to know that, that your family, your church family, the church, think that much of you that they are wanting you to to lead them to be examples to them and and to set the set the uh, pattern for for how they're supposed to follow what they're supposed to follow uh, Paul talked about being put in the ministry and he said and, and God said I've become a pattern for people to follow what a responsibility great responsibility being a deacon but it's also a great opportunity so um, be excited about what the Lord has given you the position the Lord has given you it's a privilege it's a it's a great responsibility but it's also a, a, a great opportunity to serve the Lord in ways that maybe you about um, this fella he was getting ordained to the ministry in uh, Red Rock Mississippi I don't have any idea where Red Rock Mississippi is but um, he was getting ordained and there's an old old timey preacher old fashioned preacher there who was going to pray the ordination prayer and this is what he prayed listen oh lord give thy servant talking about the guy being ordained Give thy servant the eyes of the eagle and the wisdom of the owl. Connect his soul with the gospel telephone in the central skies. Illuminate his brow with the sun of heaven. Possess his mind with love for his people. Turpentine his imagination. Wreathe his lips with possum oil. Loosen his tongue with the sledgehammer of thy power. Electrify his brain with the lightning of thy word. Put perpetual motion in his arms. Fill him plumb full of the dynamite of thy glory. Anoint him all over with the kerosene oil of thy salvation. And set him on fire with the unction of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And then you need to be an enduring man. The Bible says, Be thou faithful unto death, and thou shalt receive a crown of life. The story is told of an interesting event that took place in a far country. There was a band of minstrels who traveled from town to town presenting music to make a living. They'd not, not been doing very well. The times were hard. There was little money for common folks to come and, and to pay uh, a ticket, buy a ticket to, to hear uh, the minstrels. And uh, even though their, the charge was small, Attendance had been falling off. And so early one evening, the group met to discuss their predicament. One of them said, I see no reason for opening tonight. To make things even worse, that, uh, that it may, may have been it's starting to snow. Starting to snow. Who's going to venture out on a night like this? 
another disheartened singer said, I agree. Last night we performed for just a handful. Fewer will certainly come tonight. Why not give back their major fees and cancel concerts? No one can expect it to go on when just a few are in attendance. A third one said, how can anyone do his best with so few? And then he turned to another sitting behind, uh, beside him and said, what do you think? This man, who was a little older than the others, he looked straight at his troops and said, I know that you're discouraged. I am too. But we have a responsibility to those who might come. We'll go on and we'll do the very best job of which we're capable. It's not the fault of those who come that others do not. They should not be punished with less than the best that we can give. So encouraged by his words, the minstrels went ahead with their show. They never performed better. When the show was over and the small audience gone, the old man who had spoke in favor of the meeting called them, called the troops to him, and in his hand was a note that had been handed to him by one of the audience just before the do doors closed behind him. He said, now listen to this. I want you to listen to this note that was given me. There was something electrifying in his tone of voice that made them turn and look to and listen with anticipation. Slowly, the old man read, thank you for such a beautiful performance. And it was signed very simply, your king. Let me encourage you and challenge you to serve as an exemplary man, an encouraging man, an engaged man, an enthusiastic man, and an enduring man, one who will continue to press on in service to God. Because after all, the one who will be the most concerned about your service as a deacon will be your king of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm going to ask you to uh, stand, rise then, young men, stand here. and <coughs> Well, we'll let the wives, we'll let the wives remain seated right now. The men want you to come and come over to the altar. come by and lay hands on them and it's not a long prayer we don't have time for that uh, but just you know just a, just a very short prayer 